happy Friday, happy Friday, wherever you are on this phenomenal planet. Of course, you are all beautiful souls doing fantastic, phenomenal things. I am still coming from a very, um, very relaxed vibe, spunked up, full of energy, supercharged. Uh, we didn't do Ready, Set, Real Estate on our regular uh, scheduled show day, which is Wednesdays. We were at the Licensing Expo this week and just felt to be back in the expo, conference, live setting again. I am feeling really pumped about what's to come. So, of course, I'm here saying the show must go on even if it's a Friday. Plus, I have announcements and good news I wanted to share with you. Let me just grab that up uh, for a moment here. Let me see. I should be able to upload this thing here. If you're new to the show, say hi, say hello, welcome. Press one lets me know you're here. Press two lets me know you shared it. All right. Of course, I feel like I say this all the time. If you're new to the show, if you're new to the show, no, you're not new to the, of course, if you're new to the show. My name's Lisa Gillette, also known as Super Agent. I'm your show host, creator, and founder of many cool things. I'm also a broker and CEO of Devenio Estates, not affiliated with Ready, Set, Real Estate, completely separate entities and uh, shows or um platforms. I am a short sale and foreclosure uh, specialist or certified. Same with probates. And of course, the fun standard and regular trainings. Now, I was messing with my mic earlier this week so that we sounded like we were in tip top shape. So make sure you give me a thumbs up if you feel like the sound is good. It's clear. It's crisp. We did shift your thinking, um, what was it, last week or early last on Monday? And it was like the best show, I feel. I had great synergy on that show. And when I went back and heard it, I was like, oh, the audio is all funky, gross. So I wasn't really excited about that. And I trust that you are tuning in and listening and you give me a thumbs up. So make sure you press a one, lets me know you're here. Press two, you let me know you shared it. In the meantime, what I'd like to say, make sure you're writing down your real estate goals. Write down your real estate goals. We are in the second quarter of 2022. And listen, we're out here killing it. Why? Because there's vision boards here everywhere. We are knocking things out, out the park. Uh, of course, before I jump into today's show segment, again, we are on episode 164. We'll be talking about covenants, conditions, or restrictions. This one right here may be, there might be trigger warning here because I will be talking about bias in real estate, prejudice in real estate, um, race in real estate. So a bit trigger warning for those of you who are a little bit sensitive. Maybe you can uh, tune back on one of our other episodes. Uh, but today I'd like to touch on a couple of topics, especially because uh, we've been talking about the anniversary of 1968 Fair Housing Act. We've been talking about these inequities and these prejudice we've been seeing in, in the appraisals. We've been talking about it in loans. We've been seeing prejudice and bias in loans, meaning uh, uh, black applicants are denied more often than other groups. And so I want to talk about how did we get here from a real estate standpoint? Of course, you all have your journeys. You all have your firsthand experiences. I know I have experienced it and continue to experience it in the real estate industry, those things called microaggressions as it relates to being a woman of color, a woman, you know, woman of color in real estate as a business owner, as a broker, as a real estate professional, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we do still experience that. And I wanted to use this uh, show segment as a place and space for us to discuss it. You all will get to learn and experience what the youth learn in my classes. So for those of you who are uh, also looking for real estate classes for your youth ages 10 to 24, we do uh, real estate youth classes. We are gearing up to launch our real estate boot camps again. Woo! 
Let me bring this down because I'm doing announcements right now. I'm doing announcements. So, um, so the classes we've been doing, sheesh, like we've just been pumping out classes for the last couple years. And I think one year I knocked out easily a hundred classes, whether you showed up or not, I, the class was happening. It was still going. So I want to thank you all for your continued support of our classes. We are going to bring back our real estate training classes back. I've been lining those up again, collaborating with one of our venue sponsors, and they're they're giving us the green light saying, yes, they feel like it's okay. We'll kind of work around what the recommended CDC guidelines for a mask recommendations, right? I know they're extending it and doing different things, but at this point, it looks like we're going to live with COVID. So we're just going to have to adapt and the, we got to keep it pushing. Let the show go on. What else is happening? I do want to, oh, that's what I wanted to do. While I do that, make sure you tell somebody, oh my gosh, Lisa's on, it's Friday. She's normally on on Wednesdays. <laughs> She's on this morning. Yes, let, let folks know I decided to come on this morning. And the reason being for a couple reasons, I wanted to make sure we had our show uh, for this week. And if you don't see me making eye contact with the cameras, because I'm looking for a file and a flyer to share with you, I am going to be speaking tomorrow. I want to give you the cool little flyer that they made for the uh, speakers. It's going to be Zoom online, and it's being uh, hosted by a faith-based organization who is doing their financial symposium, and I've been invited to speak. So I'm really excited about that. Melanie says, hey, finally got a chance to catch one of your segments. Looking to get my broker's license this year. Woo, woo. Melanie, we are rooting for you. Listen, do the thing. One of the best decisions I made. One of the best decisions I made. And it wasn't really for uh, no one else. It was for me. It was a professional goal, as some of you also learning that I'm in law school. So my next level up is to be a real estate attorney, add that to my CV. So listen, go ahead and knock it out. Um, and I love it, right? Because that's what we're talking about. Write down those real estate goals. And for Melanie, it's getting her brokers. Woo, woo. Love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Okay. So as I was looking for the... Um, show cover here. Gosh, where is that file? I just downloaded this. Oh, oh, I put it on my desktop. So as I was sharing, I have been at, invited to be a guest as a speaker. Oh, okay. That's, that's not going to work because I'm putting it in the wrong place. So I've been invited to be a guest speaker um, for this financial symposium held by the faith-based organization. Okay, cool. Found it. So while I upload that, do know that we will um, kind of have do today's show as a show style, right? Show style. Melly says, yes, it's my own personal goal. Personal goals, professional goals. That's where we need to be. All right. I, of course, I want to give a shout out to our today's show sponsor. Got to give them much love and support. And of course, if you know anyone who's interested to becoming a sponsor, supporting um, any guests, tag me, send me an email, text me, topic suggestions, let me know. I do take those. Uh, and I appreciate those of you who send me like links, headlines, and different things. And so there's so much happening, especially since COVID, man, there has been so many changes in the last two years in the real estate industry. We've just gotten, it's just gotten so wild out here. But I will continue I will continue that uh, more on that after this sponsor break. We'll be right back. Do you have properties that need to be maintained? For professional services that guarantee your property will stay safe and secure, Omnis Property is the team you want by your side. As a company, we pride ourselves on our best-in-class professionals, equipped with the latest technology for all your end-to-end -end property preservation needs. That means that from start to finish, our expert team can handle everything from accurate assessments to preservation projects of all sizes. Save money and time by working with leading experts that understand your needs and are committed to premier service. 
Get started today by contacting us for your project estimate. Visit www.omnispreservation.com or call 310-957-9132. Every time I hear that, I'm, I'm like, you know, I want to get up and party. <laughs> it's a party with Omnis Property Solutions. Listen, they're doing a phenomenal job, a phenomenal job helping you shine in your real estate career. I kid you not, they take the load off of me trying to coordinate relocation, clean outs and move this and move that, especially, you know, when people are packing or downsizing 40 years of their life, 20 years of their lives, 10 years of your life, or you have to deal with lockouts, um, uh, you know, key change, change outs and, and evictions and relocations. So at board ups goes on check out their site see if they're of value to you and what you're doing or just add them to your book of business so that you have a backup in the event of course a client's going to ask i'm stressed do you know anybody and you can say yes i know omnis property solutions <laughs> um as i was thinking and saying that i want to say of course shout out to our radio podcast listeners who are listening to on all your favorite radio podcast platforms everywhere now, real quick, I'm going to show, oh, uh, let me see, here it is. Let's bring this here. Um, oh, I probably won't be able to do it as an overlay. So how about I do this? This is just me, y'all, like messing with this thing because uh, I might have to do a, sh a screen share. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Do a screen share, Lisa. Boom. Screen share. Okay. Let's do a screen share. Here it is. Boom. This is the easiest way to do it. Okay. Here we go. And this is the Kingdom Life Faith Center Financial Symposium. Going down tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. See, I've been gone a couple of days. I come back and there's something, you know, I'm like already to this next thing. I want to first say thank you for the invitation Casey Prescott who we actually used to work at in the same brokerage. Uh, she left and moved on to bigger and better things. Go Casey. And so did I, I've moved on and, you know, spun off and did my own thing, but it's the relationship. And that's what I want to highlight here is the connections and relationships you make with your colleagues in this business. That makes all the difference for someone to feel like, Hey, you know what? You were someone that I value. You were someone that I remember. And I'd love for you to come and be a speaker or support an event that I'm doing. And that's what it's about. Uh, so I just really want to love on Casey and say thank you, thank you, thank you for thinking of me for your event. There we go. Let's make it nice and pretty. For thinking of me uh, for this event here. And of course, I'll be alongside other special guests and guest presenters. We will be talking about living trust and wills, credit repair, gifts of equity is going to be my, my topic of discussion. So if you want to learn more about ways that families can buy back the property from a reverse mortgage or ways that family can sell to family without using any saved up down payment and can accomplish this by using a gift of equity. Mm. Tune in tomorrow as I drop more on those real estate gems. Of course, I don't mean to point at you. <laughs> I'm just saying drop in tomorrow. So the meeting ID here is I'll read it out loud. Of course, if you're on the radio podcast, uh, definitely check out on the YouTube I will put a link. I'll put this link on the uh, anchor, um, excuse me, on the show caption. So you have it. Meeting ID is 848-8077-4292. Passcode is 473-894. We begin tomorrow at 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. If I recall, I'm probably one of the first speakers or presenters. So, you know, come on out and show some support on the Zoom. You know, I'm
Transmuting, right? When we talk about generational wealth, it baffles me that we speak about generational wealth, which I did a topic about two weeks ago. The generational wealth is just a buzzword. That's like clickbait for people. Why? Because we have money that own property that have access to wealth. Are we harping on it? But this point, we're going to be on Zoom and live from their ministers. I'm excited. I'm just I'm excited as well. So I want to say thank you, Casey Press, uh, your colleague, for inviting me uh, at your event. All right. Okay. Very good. Thank you all for that. Let's jump into today's topic. So like I said, a bit of a trigger warning because I will be talking about CC&Rs and some of the early CC&Rs. And those had to do with those CC&Rs that were restrictive based on race. Anyone hear this before? Anyone experienced this before? In fact, if you just kind of look up the data in I don't want to overwhelm you with the data this morning. Why? Because I'm solution-based. I just want to get to solutions. So I'm going to minimize myself here on this screen just so you can look at this a little bit bigger uh, in, in real time and talk about this case study. So this is an example of what shows up on a recorded deed. And this is from the 1930s. So essentially, you can expect to see these uh, deeds, uh, covenants, and conditions, and restrictions. And we oftentimes hear of that term associated with um, condos, right, or townhomes, or planned unit development, PUDs. We oftentimes hear those terms, CCNRs, associated with that because those are restrictions, covenants, and conditions set forth as bylaws, right? Bylaws, what does that mean? That means their own little world of laws set forth over a land or a property in which the owner can and cannot do, CCNRs. And so here we have an example from the 1930s. And this for me goes way back, right? So way back before 1968. And this uh, is an example of a deed that was recorded on a property my client purchased. Now, this information that I'm sharing with you, we also discuss in our youth classes, as I was sharing. We also discuss this in our youth classes. And their reaction for me is priceless. And I say that because these are things that we are not taught. These are things we're not, we don't hear or discuss in the context of real estate, especially in a world of vanity metrics and social media, and it's all glitz, glamour, and shiny. But oftentimes you don't see those shows depict or illustrate the significance of someone of color, right? Of someone of, of, of a Black ancestry or a, um, a Latino ancestry or an Asian, even an Asian ancestry, being able to purchase real property. And when you put it in this context, right, or as I put it in this context for our youth and for our listening audience, you go, whoa, 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 whoa. What? What? And people, when I say this and I speak about this, and then I tell people like this stuff was recorded. These are documents that were in existence, still in existence because it costs way too money to erase all these deeds over that have been recorded on property and land in the last hundreds, you know, um, of, of, of years, right? So we're talking about way, it goes way back, way back when. We're at least 
discussing and a lot of you are uncovering it as of now. But I, I want to read this to you. And before I read this to you, this being the example of a recorded grant deed that was recorded for $10 during the 1930s. Before I read this to you, I want to, of course, read my disclaimer to you. So my disclaimer here, of course, is the information given on this show is not meant to be legal or tax advice. If you have a specific case or situation, you should consult with those reputable licensed professionals. Agreed? Very good. Thumbs up? Ready to move on? Okay. So let's continue. Bringing it back here. So this is an example here, and I'm going to zoom in. In fact, I probably will do it in another way so that I can read it closer and so that I'm not squinting and it's, oh, perfect. So here's what this is. This is called a corporation grant deed. And this was uh, recorded back in the 1930s. My property, my excuse me, my client bought this property in Big Bear. And one of my clients and dear friends bought this property as a vacation home recently. I think, wow, she's on her second anniversary, I think, already of purchasing this property in her second home. But what we got to learn when we look at what is called the preliminary title or the chain of title, that means the chain of uh, records that have been recorded on a property. So it says here, and I want to just bring to your attention, it opens up and it says that this is a uh, you know corporation organized under the state of California. Um, and this has been recorded in consideration of $10. How much? $10 for the real property. And then it gives a lot description, right? And then it goes on to say, and you'll notice the highlighted marks is where I want to bring your attention to. I've highlighted here. It says this deed is executed and accepted upon the following express conditions. What are we talking about this morning or today? CCNR, covenants, conditions, or restrictions. What did we say CCNRs are? They basically limit how, how a property is to be used, what can be modified, who can be transferred to, when, how, where, etc. So this, again, is a case study I'm doing from the 1930s. And let's continue to read what it says. It says, this deed is executed and accepted upon the following express conditions. Neither the grantee herein named, meaning the person granting, right, granting, nor his successor, meaning his anyone after him, nor his administrator, nor his heirs or assigns. So who? The grantee means the original owner and any of their successors and their assigners, administrators in the form of an estate or their heirs shall convey. So we said they can't. Neither means you negate something. So they cannot convey. Convey means transfer or attempt to convey the property, which property, this one we're discussing, or any part thereof, not one smidget square foot of land or piece of land can be conveyed, can be transferred to nor shall the same or any part thereof be used. So not only can you transfer, you cannot transfer it. I don't mean to point, eee, put this finger down. <laughs> so not, you cannot transfer it, nor can it be used, nor can it be occupied by anyone not a member of the white or Caucasian race. All right, let's let that marinate. That's what that section says. I'll blow it up here. Um, and of course, I anticipate, let's see, that's the biggest I can make this, but you might want to screenshot it and zoom in. But that's what this said. This is a legal document, my people. This is a legal document. Like I said, a bit of a trigger warning, but this is an example 
of what a condition is as it relates to real property. This is a condition. Now, I just want to bring to your attention, there have been uh, two literary works, a recent one, I've picked up a copy of the book. And in fact, my husband's reading that book. I haven't jumped into it yet, but there is The Color of Law that talks about this. And it talks about how we have the disparities in real property and wealth, wealth building. And for, uh, I think there's a general consensus across the board that real estate, real property contributes to a huge factor of how one's family or person builds wealth in their life. And of course, tons of data out there that what I share on the show today is no secret. You can look this and track the records in terms of the inequities and disparities and why, because of things like this, right, because of having this here uh, been instituted or incorporated as law. So what? Let's, let me break that down in terms of what that ramification means in, in, in basic terms, right? Layman's terms, as they say. It essentially meant that if you were a property owner and you sold your property to someone who was non-white, this condition on this deed meant this property would automatically revert back to the original owner. If you allowed someone who was non-white to occupy it, it was a restriction. It was a condition that you would no longer be allowed to be the owners, right? So it would revert back to its original owner. And not only did it stipulate that for the original grantor or owner, but it also applied to their successors, Big deal when we talk about generational wealth, legacy equates successor and heirs with legacy. And so because of a restriction or a condition like this, that meant it limited the pot of to which this property could legally be sold to. That changes things as we fast forward to the 1968 Fair Housing Act that said this basically is now a, a violation of federal law, right? You can no longer discriminate or put such conditions on the basis of sex, religion, uh, sex, religion, uh, race, gender, can no sexual orientation can no longer put these restrictions based on these things. And yet here we are in 2022, having a discussion of the things that we've witnessed in terms of the uh, prejudice and the bias in appraisals, right? Properties of Black families appraising less than their white counterparts. That's documented. That's not me making this stuff up. Look at uh, the recent investigations that the news uh, teams have been doing. We've seen it time and time again. And those are the ones that they've discovered or uncovered, like uncovered. Those are the ones they've uncovered. Imagine the so many that go uncovered. No one touches it. It's not being tracked or reported. Uh, what's interesting is that recently I've reached out to the Department of Real Estate regarding something I feel could lead to a condition or restriction or lead to bias. And that's this thing called cross qualifications. So I'm wanting to learn more. Of course, I will have it as a show topic because I think it's a fine line and a dangerous territory for real estate professionals to play along, to attempt to steer, right? Whenever you have steering and real estate together, you could be in some hot water and some trouble. And so I'll discuss more about that as, like I said, the Department of Real Estate here in California is looking into my inquiry. And for me, it's because I'm looking at the advocacy for borrowers and buyers who are already subject to various types of biases, whether 
their implicit or explicit, right, expressed or implied biases. And as you're noticing in our industry overall, we now as real estate professionals have been um, required, I believe effective next year, 2023, to now take CE classes for implied bias, right? For us to identify our own biases that we may not realize may be showing up in our work. I think that's a good step to first identify, right? The challenge I have with that is, you know, well, it's a start. I'm just going to leave it there. I think it's a good start. There's a lot more work we've got to do. All right. Okay. Uh, let's move on. How are you feeling about this? A bit heavy. This definitely is a heavy topic. It's not an easy one to discuss. But again, we wouldn't be ready set real estate if things were easy. This is the raw, uncut, the boom, bust, and flips and flops of the real estate uh, industry, careers, and business of, of all aspects of what we experience in it. And so, hence, we're discussing it. Now, I wanted, of course, you all know me. You know me. I am solution-based. I am a forward thinker. I am positive-driven, positive mindset. And with that, I want to offer some solutions. And of course, this is why this there this show exists. It's edutainment. It's education uh, crossed with a bit of edutainment or entertainment as well. And as we're talking or discussing about the CCNRs and where, how we got here today, right? So because now, because those CCNRs were in existence right up until 1968, there's no way of undoing all that. But now, there's an effort to move forward, but some folks like things done the old ways. And so now we see forms like the fair housing, uh, fair housing information forms. Those forms are available to put people on notice of ways that you could possibly, possibly be discriminating. And it's important to know that if you say to someone, well, I don't want to sell my house to a family you could be discriminating. In fact, it's interesting when I see this in real estate uh, remarks and descriptions, notice when I came on and I said I was speaking for a faith-based organization, I was very, I was very purposeful when I shared it that way. Because in our industry, we can't use words like church, you know, property next to a church, why? Because you could be seen as discriminating against those that attend a temple or a synagogue or a mosque, right? So faith-based organization, uh, it would be more appropriate. You can't say things like the family is perfect for family, right? This house is perfect for a family. You could be discriminating, right? Because not everyone has a quote unquote family. You have couples and single people that are not quite yet as a family. Uh, you could be seen as discriminating when you say things that um, leave out the senior community. You could be discriminating. You could be discriminating when you use terms that are not sensitive to those who have handicaps or disabilities. You could be discriminating. So even in our profession, we have to be mindful and constantly growing and learning those biases, right? We think in our everyday language, it's okay to say these things. In fact, I'll give you an example of a, a recent change since in light of the Black Lives Matter movement and the civil unrest that we've seen that happened two years ago. In light of that happening, and now it's bubbled up to the surface, and it's because of things that were put into play, right? If you've been uh, restricted or hindered from partaking in uh, purchasing property, partaking in entering certain careers and and movements and opportunities. Of course, that will that will fester up and it will start to stink, which is what we saw. This thing is this thing stunk. So we're dealing. America is still dealing with its ugly history. As I was sharing uh, with the Color of Law by Richard. Rothstein, The Color of Law, How Our 
how the forgotten history of how our government separate segregated America. Great read, not an easy read, meaning it's a tough pill to swallow of the things that the real estate industry did to support segregation and to split the disparities. And now we see this reconciliation happening along the trade organizations to make an effort to provide more support, right? Damage is done. How do we fix it? And how do we fix it is understanding how we got here and then providing tools. So that's what I want to do today. Ooh, this slide came out really uh, funky, but it actually, let me see if I change my view. Nope, doesn't work. So I want to provide some tips and tools and let's see, I'm actually going to split the screen this way. I think you might be fine with it though, right? Yeah, you're fine with it. So this should read FICO and credit reports. So one of the reasons, uh, as I've been noticing from my lenders and from the data is a common reason for those who are um, Black, uh, who are of Latino uh, background, that is a hindrance for entering into ownership of real property is FICO scores. That infamous credit report, that infamous credit score, it's one of two things, right? Not believing in a banking system, uh, depending on the culture and, and the, the background of the individual, what they've been exposed to. So not, you know, using every, purchasing everything cash. So they're not building enough credit. And then oftentimes not having good money management skills of what it means when you're taking out credit and you're borrowing, et cetera. One of my best examples is to really break down the significance of what credit cards uh, are is there are many loans. So there are many loans payable and due every 30 days. So my best way, again, I'm giving you a, I'm giving you a, a, a piece of what the kids learn in our real estate classes. And I felt this is one of the better ways to break this whole CCNR, provide a solution, and then we take it from there, right? So your credit report, as we all have had class, right? We've been in class once upon a time. Your credit report is essentially a report card on money management, just like you had report cards on math, you have report cards in English, you have report cards in science and history. Um, you have a grading scale. And that's what a credit report is. It is your grading scale to this class called money management. Is being tracked by the use of your social security numbers. How many digits in that? Make sure you know how many digits are in your social security number. These are questions that I ask them so they understand, right? Why you've been assigned social security numbers, why your birth certificate has a serial number, right? There's so much, so much going on, it's so much deeper than saying I'm born, I have an ID and I have a social and I have a birth certificate. And it's so much bigger than that, right? But it's important for us to understand what it is that is being tracked or attached to our numbers and our names. FICO score stands for the Fair Isaac and Company. So Fair Isaac and Company generated this way to score individuals, uh, how well they manage money. And that ranges from 250 to 900. There are three credit bureau agencies. How many? Three. Three. Three credit bureau agencies, and they are Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. And here's the bonus. You can order one free credit report from all agencies every 12 months. Let me drop that in the caption below where, you know what, in fact, I already have that typed up because I talk about it all the time. So you can get that, get your free credit report from annualcreditreport.com, annualcreditreport.com. Where are you ordering it from? This is the official 
website provided by the government, annualcreditreport.com. It's not free credit report. It's not, you know, FICO report. It's not your free credit score report. No, it's annualcreditreport.com. And just for the sake of, you know, example, because you know me, I'm visual. I'm going to share what that homepage looks like so that you know you're on the right spot. Let's make sure you're at the right place at the right time. All right, so here it is. This is what it looks like. Zoom that in, okay? So it's annualcreditreport.com. See here, it says the only source for your free credit reports authorized by what? Federal law. That means there is a law that says you have the legal right to access what is on your credit report. And in fact, they want you to so that you can be checking it. During the pandemic, if you didn't catch some of my earlier episodes, they were giving you access to your credit report for free up until April 20, 2021. It might have carried over to this year. So what they were allowing you to do was making sure no one was you know, using your credit uh, inappropriately or maliciously or fraudulently. It is fraud. Yes. So this is what the site looks like. Okay. Just want to have that up for you. Now, you can access your report more than once, but they will charge you for it. So once you set up your accounts, be sure to download it, save your passwords and identifying information so that you can log back in. And the system will allow you to access that annually. Okay, feeling good about this? Yes, wonderful, good stuff. Thumbs up. So let's talk about this because I had a phone call while I was in Vegas and was speaking with a prospective buyer who was saying, all right, you know, I'm, 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 how much money do I need to save? What do I need to work on? And this is very common for a lot of individuals is that you make the money. Right. You you making the money is not an issue where the issue or the challenge is, is your credit score, qualifying credit scores so that you are eligible to be looked upon as a favorable prospective borrower by a lending institution, albeit a direct lender or a bank, a depository institution. So here, let's discuss this. Like I said, where we see disparities and the challenges of being able to compete and even be considered as a buyer of real estate is that credit score. Now, if you have 20% down and, you know, then the reality is credit score is not an issue. It's not even a factor. If you have the down payment, you have 10%, 15%, 20%. Your FICO score can be like 550, 550, 550. That's me thinking 550 and 580. Your FICO score could be that. It's not a significant factor. Why? Because you're coming, leveraging your own investment, your own money. You're bringing your own money to the table. Where it matters, and this is where people get confused, where it matters is when you are asking for one of two things. What are those one of two things? Hmm. Why would it matter to know what your FICO score is when you're asking a bank to invest with you, partner with you? What, what one of two things matters? All right. You guessed it. When you are asking for low down payment, programs or assistance, or when you're looking for down payment assistance, that's when it matters. Because now you are asking someone to either bring all of the money, which is what we call 100% financing. In fact, 
it's uh, a combined loan to value of upwards of 103%. Did you know you can borrow more than that? And oftentimes you have to because there's fees layered in that in those loans, which means they give you the amount of the loan or the purchase price plus fees, and they have to finance or roll the fees into it. So now you're borrowing 103%. My challenge with that or my position on that is, yes, some of those programs, subsidized programs, works well with getting your foot in the door. However, it does it's almost crippling to build equity over time because there's some of those offer shared equity, shared appreciation. They want to also benefit from the equity in the property in the event you sell, they want to be paid back and split the equity with you. So you almost start off at zero once everything's factored in and you, you like break even. It's not like a zero, but you owe that money back as well. So it's it's a challenge to find true grant programs that can help on down payment assistance. They're out there. Yes, they're out there. The challenge is, is finding a seller willing to work with you and accept those programs that usually don't close in 30 days. They close in 60 days or longer, depending where the funds are coming from. So let's talk about your FICO score and credit components. The reason I'm wanting to bring this as a breakdown or up to the forefront is because of the many consultations that I have with people needing to really understand that time is going to be a factor here in terms of boosting your scores. So let's look at this. We've re Let's really look at this. Okay, so your FICO and credit score is made up of what? You've got one, two, three, four, five components that makes up the total of your FICO score. And this is broken down in the percentage of influence each component has on the score. This is a, this is a huge gem right here. Of course, drop real estate gem in the caption below <laughs> and let me know that you're finding this helpful or whether you're learning this for the very first time. So your new credit, right? That is how much of your available credit is new. That portion of your score is 10%. How much of it is new? Be careful when you're opening all these new accounts right? That's not necessarily a good thing, this trying to borrow money and over leverage in a very short period of time. The other component is types of credit use, which is 10%. The, this is essentially what is your mix of credit cards, retail credit, student loans, mortgage, mortgages, if you have one, et cetera, right? 10% of your score is made up of your type of credit, your mix. What's your credit mix? Oftentimes people have a car loan, they have student loans, and they have credit cards. Now those loans and the, the rolling balance, outstanding balance, call it remaining balance, meaning the total of that, what you owe, will contribute as well to your FICO score. And that's a huge factor. We'll get to that. So the next component, I'm here in green, is the length of credit history, which makes up 15% of an influence over your FICO score, which is how long have you been using credit? This, this one really fascinates me when people try to... Um, you know, they're trying to boost their credit. They're trying to pay people to fix the credit. But look how much is made up just on time alone, 15%. So that's why you hear people suggest, well, why don't you be added as an authorized user for someone who has an existing credit history, right? So now you jump on their, the time of their earliest credit uh, card, if it was seven years ago, you're added to an authorized user. Now your time starts seven years ago, 
those are ways to boost that aspect of your credit score. Again, these are percentages of the influence that each of these components have over the total score. Let's go on to the darker blue, which is payment history. 35, per, oh, excuse me. Let's go to the lighter blue, the, in order of, of percentage influences. Then there's the amounts owed. Now, I mentioned that people have combinations or a mix of credit cards, student loans, car loans, etc., And that makes up 30% of the influence on your score. How much do you owe and how much of your available credit have you used? Now, the rule of thumb from what I've seen is to keep the total debt at 33% or less. That means you're using one third, not 50%, not 40%, geez, not 90%. And some of you are maxed out at 100%. The more you're leveraging, that means that's the more money you're borrowing and you're not paying down, that weighs heavy. And in fact, it's 30% of your FICO score. So you see how that that right there is, is a key, one of the key components, more so than the amount of new credit that you have and the amount of type of credits you have. Those each are 10%. So length of credit history is 15%. The amount of O is 30% of your score. And then the last one, which is the big hit, is payment history. And that's just in a nutshell. nutshell, Have you paid your past credit cards on time or credit accounts on time? That time is influenced at 35% of your FICO score. Payment history alone makes it 35%. Can't make up payment history. That just comes with them reporting whether you paid, um, have you been paying as agreed, right? If you look at your credit score, it says paid as agreed. Why? Because when you're applying for credit and these credit accounts, those are all contracts. The contract says that you're borrowing this, this is the collateral, These are the terms and you agree to pay it back. Very easy. Now, I'd like to ask you this question uh, as I ask my students, because there's so much that weighs on credit, right? I mean, I've heard people say, oh, you know, I'm not dating a man that, you know, his credit score has to be 750 or 800 or all these other things. That's great and all, you know, it's great and funny, but I don't think that's practical and I don't think that's reality. And I don't think it's fair. Why? Because what if you lose your job? What if you lose your job? What type of life events would impact each of those components from allowing you to pay on time, be able to take out a new credit, just time of you're not old enough, no one told you, you started late, you owe too much, you're leveraging, no one told you this golden rule of what I'm sharing with you today at 33%, keeping it at one third or less. So what type of life events would impact these different sections? I've got one, COVID. You know how many, you know why it was significant for the federal government to pass the CARES Act? The CARES Act allowed people to essentially be protected from having negative credit reporting by their creditors for a full year. If they were impacted by COVID and experienced a financial hardship, then the CARES Act said that your creditor would not be allowed to report negatively on your credit report. And as a result of that, they gave you access to your credit report during the pandemic to make sure that you weren't being impacted. Why? Because the reality is, and this is more so than what I recall when I first learned about credit, is that 
your credit score impacts your career opportunities. I mean, it's the FICO score is the key. Those numbers, those three numbers made up or, or issued by Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion are essentially the key to opportunities for jobs, for loans, for building your business, um, building your personal finances, leveraging opportunities, right? Giving you access to better insurance rates, giving you access to better uh, loan rates. It's just giving you access. In fact, uh, I also have watched as well as one of the recent politicians, and I forgive my, forgive, I don't recall her name. I believe she's out in Boston. And she is changing the requirements or reporting of your zip code to the insurance companies because they were basing rates on the on your address, right? Where they ask you for your address, get an insurance quote. I say, oh, you live over here. And they look at that what's happening in that demographic, right? The data says whether there's uh, more low to medium income people. The data says, is there more crime over there? The data says, is there more, you know, quote unquote, minority groups over there? Those things create biases, right? Of what we were talking about in real estate, those CCNRs, conditions, co covenants and restrictions. And you can see as they, they come up in various forms in different aspects of our lives. Huge, huge it's a big deal. Okay, I'll leave this up for a couple more seconds. Oops, let me put it back. <laughs> I'll leave this up for a couple more seconds. Uh, so you have it. Make sure you take a screenshot and um, make your notes. And of course, you know, as, as a freebie, if you want to copy this, I can, I can send it to you. Definitely, I can send it to you. You can text me at 323-488-3265. Go ahead and uh, text CCNR. That way I know from episode 164, I know to send you over uh, my, my presentation notes so you have it because I have the pie chart of the FICO and credit components. And in here, we've got the copy of the grant deed that was the uh, restriction or condition, excuse me, recorded on the deed from 1930s. And again, there's many more out there. Uh, does it hold up now? No, it is a violation of federal law but they were in existence. And this is why we are where we are today. If you ever wondered why, why, why those people, right? Those people, why can't they just pull themselves up from the boot, right? Well, even if they do, or we did, or even as we continue to make that effort uh, as a group is we're still up against some real challenges and it's, it's unfortunate, right? Unless we are advocating, discussing, there's policy change, and there's a lot more footwork involved to move a group or a culture forward, you know, a group of people forward, especially as it relates to real estate and in the real estate industry. Hence the reason why we have the show is because you've watched me when we first launched the show, we had about a hundred independent contractors in the real estate business. And this was to show the next generation, the diversity in the positions in real estate. It's not just the salesperson. It's not just the buyer, the agent and the, and, uh, the buyer, the seller and the agent. There are a lot more key players in this business. And those uh, in those independent roles uh, definitely need to be represented by diversity, right? Because we're not all one and the same. And that's my goal and continued goal and effort with Ready, Set, Real Estate is to show diversity and push forward in education and of course, inspiration to encourage change so that the life that we want to see or the changes we want to experience, we become. All right. With that, I say have a powerful, productive week. Oops, hit my mic. I've got to stop doing that. <laughs> have a powerful, productive week. We'll see you next week on another information-packed episode on Ready, Set, Real Estate. Bye.